This episode contains descriptions of body horror. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. The following is an excerpt from Pu Songling's The Magic Sword, in which a spirit reveals her true identity to the story's protagonist. I have seen many men, but none with a steel-cold heart like yours. You are an upright man, and I will not attempt to deceive you. I died when I was only eighteen and was buried beside this temple. A devil then took possession of me and employed me to bewitch people by my beauty, contrary to my inclination. There is now nothing left in this temple to slay, and I fear that imps will be employed to kill you." Ning was very frightened at this and asked her what he should do. "'Sleep in the same room with Mr. Yen,' replied she. "'What?' asked he. "'Cannot the spirits trouble Yen?' "'He is a strange man,' she answered, "'and they don't like going near him.'" Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today's story, The Magic Sword, comes from 17th century Chinese writer Hu Songling. Today, who is known as a master of his craft, but at the time, his style didn't quite fit in with his contemporaries. For one, he wrote in more formal Chinese, an uncommon style at the time. And second, he often borrowed elements from Chuan Chi, strange and fantastical stories that were popular almost a thousand years earlier in the seventh century. Perhaps because of this, his 1679 collection of supernatural stories, Tales of Ghosts and Foxes, didn't find a publisher until decades after his death. And even then, it was published under a new name, Strange Stories from a Chinese Studio. But while the Chuan Chi that inspired his collection often focused on tales of courtly valor against monsters and ghosts, who set his supernatural stories among commoners. The everyman faces down devils, imps, and malevolent spirits, so of course, he needs a little help. In The Magic Sword, that help is as unlikely as it is sinister. Our hero must decide whom he should trust. A Taoist priest with a set of peculiar weapons, or a beautiful girl bound by devils. Coming up, 
we stumble upon a haunted temple. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Rain was pouring off the village roofs when Ning began to look for a room in the town of Jinhua. He'd forgotten about the region's heavy summer storms, and now, instead of making his way home to Zhejiang, he was frantically looking for a place to stay. What's worse, every available inn for the past 12 miles was full. Soaked to the bone, Ning gave up on the village proper. He walked along a bamboo-lined trail on the northern edge of town, unsure if he would find shelter. The dirt was wet and dark, and small bits of lotus flowers ripped away from their buds in the storm and floated down the roads. The further he walked, the more overgrown the landscape became, and the more he began to lose hope. Yet just before exhaustion overtook him, Ning had a stroke of luck. He came across what appeared to be an abandoned temple. He could tell it was once a beautiful place, but nature had swallowed it up. Its ornate carvings were choked with vines, and once vibrant colors had been eroded by rain and moss. It would not be the quiet comfort he knew at home, but at this point, he simply needed shelter to avoid catching a cold. Ning hurried through the front door and out of the rain. He looked around. Luckily, the temple's roof was still intact, and the inside was fairly dry and warm. He sighed in relief and took off his soaking wet coat. Ning suddenly jumped as a voice echoed off the temple walls. Did you have a long journey here? He turned to see a tall young man standing in the entrance of a dark room. Ning calmed his nerves and cleared his throat before speaking. I've had longer journeys, but I'm grateful to have found this place in such a terrible storm. Is this your home? The man laughed darkly. (laughs) Not quite. I've been here for a few days. There's plenty of space for you to escape the rain here. My name is Yen. The young man gave Ning the quickest of bows, then pointed him toward a doorway across a courtyard. Ning thanked him for the hospitality. Then he hurried through the courtyard in the rain and into his small room. Inside was a small straw bed, and he was relieved to find it was still dry. Exhausted and grateful, Ning lay down and attempted to sleep. Ning was nearly dreaming when he heard the swoosh of a blade, the cry of an animal, then silence. His eyes flew open as he looked for the source of the sound, but he saw nothing. 
He reminded himself that abandoned temples were fertile places for the imagination. It was probably nothing more than Yen going about his business. He closed his eyes a little tighter and tried to relax. Commotion by the temple's entrance cut through his sleep. He opened his eyes when he heard Yen welcoming two other weary travelers. Ning was a curious fellow. He liked to know who he'd be sharing a space with, but his feet were tired from his journey. He couldn't muster the strength to get up and meet them, so he tried to get back to sleep. And soon, his eyes drifted closed. He was woken again by a sharp sliver of moonlight. He sat up, squinting against its bright glow, when his eyes went wide in shock. A young woman was in his room, standing in the pale white light. She looked beautiful, but lost. Ning's eyes adjusted to the brightness. She didn't appear entirely human. Her skin was gray, and her lips were a brilliant red, dark as blood. But strangest of all, her long black hair twisted in a wind that Ning could not feel. He was certain she was a spirit. The young woman tilted her head as if studying him before gliding closer. Ning told himself to not move a muscle as she lingered over his bed and smiled. It was an inviting smile, but he remained still and fearful. Then she held out her hand. Resting in her palm was a gold nugget. Ning knew better than to accept gifts from spirits, but refusing pure gold was far easier said than done. She looked at him for a torturously long moment. When Ning finally spoke, his voice was shaking. I do not want that, my lady. And I'm not alone here. If you don't let me sleep, I will call my friend. Ning had no idea if Yen would be of any help, but he felt it was worth the bluff. Yet still, the woman did not close her hand. She stood, waiting. When Ning still did not budge, he heard a harsh whisper from the shadows. And your heart stone. Suddenly, the beam of moonlight widened, filling the whole room with searing white. And when the light faded, the woman was gone. A man's screams cut through the night. Ning stumbled to his feet and rushed toward the noise, worried that Yen was in trouble. But when he reached his room, it was empty. The sounds continued, carrying across the courtyard and into another set of rooms. Ning followed, crossing the courtyard as quickly as he could, but he froze when he reached the building on the other side. Two men writhed on their cots, pinned down by two small creatures, thick as slugs. A third stabbed a blade into the men's feet, spilling blood onto the floor. Ning could barely comprehend what he was seeing. These creatures had faces like carpfish, but human eyes and pointed teeth. They chittered and clapped their hands, excited as they lapped up the traveler's blood and ate the flesh of their feet. He couldn't help but think this would have been his fate if he had taken the woman's gold. 
Ning ducked behind the doorframe in panic, praying the horrible creatures hadn't noticed him in their revelry. They were small, but he was outnumbered three to one. He had to get Yen's help. Ning turned away to dash across the courtyard and found the same young woman standing before him, staring. He froze. There were tears in her eyes. It would have been better to take the gold, she said. Ning stared at her, astounded. You admit your intent. You and your friends plan to harm me. The woman sighed. I wish it were not so. I truly do. But I'm afraid I have no choice in the matter. You see, I am bound by my bones. She explained that she died many years ago, but the creatures, the imps, knew of her burial place and forced her spirit to lure their human prey. The young woman looked up at Ning with sorrow in her eyes. My name is Xiao Qin. I was known in this village once. Please, if you can find my remains, you can free me. Ning found himself entranced by Xiao Qin's sadness. The pain in her eyes was so profound. How awful to be used as she was a tool for those things to acquire their prey. Ning met her gaze and nodded. I'll help you, I promise. Xiao Qin smiled and Ning felt his whole heart lift at her happiness. For one beautiful, strange moment, they stood smiling at each other in the dark courtyard. The men's screams pierced the night, breaking Ning from his trance. He suddenly remembered that he'd been on his way to find Yen. But the traveler's cries were growing weaker. If he had any hope of saving them, it had to be now. Ning ran toward the travelers and pulled the creatures off their bodies. The imps squealed in rage and squirmed against Ning's grip. He fought as hard as he could, but they were strong. And soon they latched onto his skin and began to feed. Ning pulled harder. He succeeded in flinging one off, but it skittered back over and bit down on his leg. His skin ripped open and Ning let out a howl of pain. He was growing woozy from the loss of blood. He reached out toward where he thought the woman had been. Then he fell to the floor. Ning stared at the temple's rotting beams as his vision grew dark. He could still feel the imp's tiny teeth, but the pain itself seemed far away now. He was fading. But then he heard a familiar sound. The swoosh of a blade, like he had heard when he was sleeping. Then the sharp, clean sound of metal rang through his ears as the blade struck flesh. Then all was quiet. Yen stood over him, a gleaming sword by his side. It was a single-edged Dao blade with the slightest of curves. Yen sheathed the sword with care, then held out his hand. Let's get those wounds cleaned up. Ning stood slowly and looked around the room. The imps lay splayed on the floor, sliced to ribbons. 
Ning wondered if their defeat would end the woman's plight. Perhaps he did not need to find her grave at all. He called into the air. Xiao Qin? Yen's gaze hardened. Ah, you've seen her. I'm very sorry, my friend, but she's not what she seems. I hope you didn't promise her anything. Ning didn't have to speak for Yen to know the answer. The young man sighed. Ah, well, that is not ideal. Never make a promise to a demon. Coming up, Ning either helps a ghost or frees a demon. Massive spiders, fierce crocodiles, violent kangaroos. With all of the dangers lurking within Australia, one species remains feared above the rest. Humans. Hi listeners, it's Alastair from Parcast, and I'm hosting a new Spotify original called Crime Down Under. Every Sunday on Spotify, take a trip to the oldest continent for some of the most shocking true crime cases in modern history. Featuring a compilation of episodes from shows across Parcast Network, Crime Down Under exposes the vicious serial killers, mysterious disappearances, and terrifying crime families whose stories still stop Aussies dead in their tracks. From the beaches and deserts to the cities and suburbs, the land down under may be vast, but the horrors are hiding around every corner. Catch a new episode of Crime Down Under every Sunday. Listen free only on Spotify. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. After barely escaping the imps, Yen led Ning back to his room to be bandaged. Ning was grateful for his safety, but he couldn't stop himself from looking backward every few steps. He kept thinking about Xiao Qin. She was nowhere to be seen, but somehow he could still feel her, as if her sadness stretched across the temple. But was Yen right? Was she really a demon? But she seemed so troubled by her actions. Ning wasn't sure anyone could fake such pain and regret. He needed more explanation. As they entered Yen's room, Ning turned to him. How do you know she's a demon? She's had every opportunity to harm me, but she's done nothing. Yen laughed. <laughs> yet. She hasn't done anything yet. He helped Ning settle onto the cot, delicately placed his sword case beside the bed, then pulled out a small medicine kit. He stitched Ning's wounds, his hands working with precision. Ning distracted himself from the pain by glancing around Yen's room. He had expected a student to travel light, 
but the space was half filled with boxes. And they weren't stacked orderly at all. Instead of being piled biggest to smallest, the small ones were on the bottom, as if they needed to be held down. Yen noticed him looking. I must admit, I haven't been entirely honest with you. I'm a Taoist priest, trained in handling malicious spirits. Ning cleared his throat. So, you're not here for shelter? Yen laughed. <laughs> no, I'm a protector, mostly of weary travelers like yourself. The spirits here are particularly vicious, so I've stayed, knowing they're looking for victims. Ning shivered. He had found lodging in a spiritual death trap. He knew he should leave at once, but he had promised to help Xiao Qin. He wasn't sure if she was actually a demon like Yen claimed, but he certainly felt better while the young priest was around. Ning turned to him. How long will you stay? Yen finished the last stitch. My watch ends tomorrow. I'd recommend you head off then as well. But you still want to help her, don't you? Ning nodded. Yen sighed. <sighs> I imagine she talked to you about her bones. Ning was surprised that he knew. It meant that Xiao Qin had asked for others to help her. Somehow, he felt a little hurt. Yen nodded knowingly. You seem resolved, so I'll make this easy for you. She's buried at the foot of the aspen tree, the one with the bird's nest. Dig her up and move her. Once you do, the imps won't be able to find her and they'll have to let her go. That is, if they are in fact controlling her like she claims. But if she's controlling them, well, you know what happens. Yen made a slurping sound and gave Ning a devilish grin. Ning had to admit it was a rather good impression of the imps. He should have been unnerved, but instead, Ning laughed. It was strange how comfortable Yen was with the whole ordeal, as if he'd seen it all before. Yen handed Ning his sword. I have to keep watch at the temple, but I think it's best if you borrow this tonight. Ning was concerned. How would Yen protect himself? Yen grinned. Don't worry about me. I have other ways of keeping away those horrid things. Yen nodded at one of the medium-sized boxes. Something inside it snarled, but Ning was hesitant to ask questions. He carefully picked up the sword case. It was lighter than he imagined. Ning paused for a moment, thinking, then turned to Yen. If you believe Xiao Chen is a demon like you say, then why are you helping me? Yen considered for a moment. The third treasure of the Tao is humility, the second is regality, and the first is compassion. If she is truly suffering as you believe she is, I am bound to help her. Plus, if she kills you, what's one more victim? I'll simply collect the sword from your corpse in the morning. 
Ning laid in Yen's room that evening. But as he tried to sleep, he kept seeing Xiao Qian's red-stained lips. And when he turned over in the darkness, he was certain he saw one of the boxes moving. Ning woke the next morning, prepared to find Xiao Qin's body. Luckily, it was no longer raining when he went outside. He grabbed a shovel leaned up against the side of the temple and set out in search of her grave beneath the aspen tree. His arms were sore from the imp's attack and his wounds were still healing, but he couldn't let that stop him. A woman's afterlife was in his hands. Ning followed a path behind the temple until he came to an aspen tree with a bird's nest, just like the one Yen had described. The surroundings were wholly unremarkable, just leaves and stones littering the ground. There was nothing that indicated a beautiful soul's body was buried there, or that her afterlife had been tainted in service to demons. Ning got to work, shoveling furiously. The soil was wet and heavy, and his arms were tired. His clothes and bandages were quickly stained, and as he dug deeper, he could feel the flesh on his hands tearing open again. But he only thought of Xiao Qin. He wondered how one bound someone's bones. Ning's shovel hit something solid. He abandoned the spade and dug with his hands. Soon, he unearthed one piece of bone and then another. Ning was starting to pack her bones into his satchel when he heard a soft voice. You found me. He startled at the noise and turned around. Xiao Qin looked different in the sunlight, translucent like rice paper and just as fragile. He told her he didn't know where to take her bones, but they couldn't stay there if he wanted to free her. I'm going to find someplace safe. She giggled. I think your house would be nice. Ning's stomach turned. He remembered Yen's warning. Could he trust that Xiao Qin was who she said she was? And if he brought her back to his house in Zhejiang, would she find some way of possessing him? In theory, she would be free from the creature's influence. But what would she do then? He didn't want to make a decision, not yet. He knew he needed to stall, so he picked up his satchel and assured her again that he would find somewhere safe. Then he started walking back to the temple. First, he'd return the sword to Yen. Yen would know what to do. He could feel Xiao Qin trailing behind him, lingering, studying his back as he ascended the front steps of the temple. His pulse began to race, and before he realized what he was doing, he pulled out the sword. Suddenly, he felt strangely alone. Ning looked behind him. Xiao Qin was gone. He looked down at the sword. What magic had Yen bound in this blade? Moments later, Ning poked his head into Yen's room. The young priest greeted him warmly, then lowered his voice. Is she here? Ning shook his head. Yen gave him a consoling pat on the shoulder, then turned to his pile of boxes, drawing a small one from the top. 
Perhaps she is simply gone and you have freed her, but just in case. He pressed the box into Ning's hands. Keep it concealed until it is needed. But when the time is right, it will take care of you. Ning looked down at the box with curiosity. Xiao Qin had disappeared when he'd revealed the sword Yen had lent him. Perhaps this item would be useful too. He tucked the box into his bag, bowed in thanks, and took to the road. Finally, he would return home. Ning walked for a short while and found he was rather lonely without Yen or Xiao Qin's company. But when the temple was once again out of sight, he felt eyes on his back. Xiao Qin? She was there. He was sure of it. But he didn't dare turn around. Then, he heard Xiao Qin hum softly to herself. Ning found himself walking to her rhythm, comforted by her voice. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he saw something move. Ning wheeled around, but everything was still. It was only Xiao Qin, but she looked nervous, guilty even. Suddenly, an imp careened toward him, moving impossibly fast. Terror flashed through his mind. Yen had been right about Xiao Qin, and now that he was alone without Yen's protection, he knew there was no escape. He tried to do the honorable thing, and death would be the price he paid. Ning shut his eyes and waited for the blow to come. Suddenly, he heard the click of a box opening. He heard metal slide, then slice through the air with one single strike. Something splattered to the ground. Ning opened his eyes. Xiao Qin was standing before him, holding a small blade, still drawn back in a perfect fighting stance. But this time, she was solid, human, beautiful. A dead imp was lying on the ground next to the empty box that Yen had given him. The blade was surrounded by strange white smoke. It undulated and rippled as if it was breathing. Then it became a face, horrible, screaming. Ning leapt back, frozen in place. If the imps weren't his end, this would be. But soon the smoke spiraled up into the sky, leaving nothing but a wisp of steam. Ning put his hand to his chest. It took him some time before he was able to feel his heartbeat again, but he was certain he was safe. He turned to Xiao Qin and asked, What was that? Xiao Qin held the sword, examining it. Your friend is a strange man, Ning. He fights demons with demons by binding them in blades. I've been waiting for some time to have power like this. To be whole. Ning stared at her. But what if the imps come back? Xiao Qin was still studying the blade. She touched the steel, examining the blood on her fingers. Oh, a demon 
is far more dangerous. She looked up at him, smiling with red lips. You never want to make a promise to a demon. Hu Songling's Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio combines two Chinese literary art forms, the courtly Chuan Qi and the traditional Han Dynasty Ji Guai. While Chuan Qi told fairy tale-like stories about knights and noble ladies, the Ji Guai were more like third-century urban legends. They told strange, uncanny stories, but as if they were based in reality, lending them an air of authenticity that made the storyteller sound like a friend of a friend. This blend of high and low is what makes the magic sword so timeless. Though it dates from the late 1600s, the story is not unlike a modern horror movie. Ning is a 17th century everyman caught up in an ancient ghost story. He shares the stage with a Van Helsing-like Taoist priest, creepy creatures, and a beautiful dead girl. The original tale even has a Hollywood ending. Ning and Xiao Qin conquer her imp captors one last time with the help of the magic sword and its box, and the story concludes with their marriage. Another take on the ghost bride trope common in East and South Asia ghost stories. But can one really have domestic bliss with a ghost bride? Xiao Qin has been made corporeal, but we never learn how or why. Is it possible she's just another trap? But when you look at Pu's collection as a whole, spirits and shapeshifters rarely leave their victims to allow them a happily ever after. So can we really believe in this happy ending? As Yen said, you should never make a promise to a demon. But what happens when you exchange vows? Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with another chilling tale. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Lil DeRitter and Jennifer Roche, with writing assistance by Stacey Lee Nemec and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Amber Hurley, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. Hi there, it's Alastair from Parcast. You may have heard of the Somerton Man, Azaria Chamberlain, or the Wonder Beach Murders. But do you know the whole terrifying truth? Be sure to check out my new series, Crime Down Under, where we travel to the land down under to explore the most shocking true crime cases in Australian history. 
Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Down Under, and catch a new episode every Sunday, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.